Hello and welcome to the Super Turd Podcast with your host, Michael Turbot, your local real estate expert, where we'll talk real estate, sports, business, and beer in the triangle. And now, here's your host, Michael Turbot. And welcome to the Super Turb Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Turbot, your local real estate expert with the Ida Turbot Group in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hashtag Coach Turb, hashtag Super Turb. And I have a treat tonight. And for many of you football fans out there, you know I talk real estate, business, sports, and beer in the triangle. But you know what? Tonight we're just going all sports. Anybody that knows me knows I love the Panthers. You know on Sundays it's an event. And I have John Ellis. I'm very pleased to have him join me today. He's probably one of the best social media content for Panther fans on Twitter, also known as One Panther Place. And you're also the host of The Roar. And uh, so I can't wait to have you on, brother. We're going to talk some Panthers. We're going to talk some drafts. Some things happen today. I want to hear what you think we're going to do with the eighth pick. Uh, We're going to talk about maybe a not-so-early projection of 2021. So I hope everybody joining me today. If you have questions for John, make sure you show some comments. I'll make sure to bring them up on the screen. And we're gonna we're just going to have a blast. I've got my Sierra Nevada cold beer. I'm opening it up right now. Uh, again, it's Christmas Eve here in the Turbot household. That's right. Look at the green screen yeah, effect. So oh, it's yeah. awesome, right? So, John, I'm going to take a quick break because I have commercials for the audio portion of this podcast. When I come back, I'm going to have John Ellis on the other side. Real estate guys, real fast. We all know what inventory is beyond... It's historic lows. Historic lows were a 73% decrease in inventory from a year ago. Our average appreciation is up 14% from a year ago. Average sales price in Wake County is $421,000. i am telling sellers what they can get for their home, and they actually can't believe it. So if there's any at all, if you ever want to, if you want to know obligation, market analysis for your home, please reach out to me. You know that's what I'd love to do is help you accomplish your real estate goals. But on the other side, we're going to have some fun, John. Let's get going, all right? Let's do it. And welcome back to the Super Turb Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Michael Turbot, your local real estate expert of the Ida Turbot Group, Coldwell Baker, HPW, also known as Super Turb, hashtag Coach Turb, and John Ellis. Happy to have you, man. First of all, anybody watching you, we're on live on YouTube, we're on my Facebook page, we're going to be on Spotify, we're going to be Apple Podcasts. So anybody watching or hearing, tell everyone who you are, where you are right now, and what you do. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me, man. I, I'm all good. First of all, I, I like I like the Panthers here. I, I'm taking I, I I like to fancy myself a journalist here, but we, we we're going off. This is Nina, by the way. Hey, hey Nina. Nina, 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 stepping in. This is my go-to guy right here on One Panther Place. I'm John. I'm One Panther Place on Twitter. I do Panther analysis. Um, uh, you guys, some of you follow me, some of you don't. Um, it, it's it's been an interesting couple years. We've got a, a nice following here and then we've got onepantherplace.com cooking some articles up on there i've got kids crawling all over me of course <laughs> as always and we try to get our work done as efficiently as we can with three kids around this house but man i appreciate you having me on this will be fun yeah man so let me ask you this what made you start one panther place in the media coverage you produce because what do what else, what do you do besides uh, one I panther really, place uh what what i do and what do i do besides uh, one panther place yeah for, for, I'm a radio guy. I've been in the radio, radio business guy. for about 20 years, in and out of it. So I started in morning radio here in uh, Greenville, Spartanburg, worked at Magic 98.9, did mornings there for a couple of years. I worked down in Clemson at a station. Uh, my dad's a radio guy, so I've been in this business for a long time. And I now I host the Ingalls Tailgate Show 
and the Ingles Countdown, the tip-off show, which is the iHeartRadio um, flagship show for Clemson Athletics. So anytime there's a Clemson football game, Clemson basketball game, um, myself and Richmond Weaver were the host of that show. And so uh, it's about 30 shows a year total we do on that uh, production. I do a lot of radio production on the side, and then I write freelance, whatever I can do to make a buck. And at nights now, I'll be working at my BMW. Look, I'm starting up at BMW around the corner. Yeah. Uh, cranking, cranking some shafts and making so some it, cars tonight. So, so I, I, I say, do a little bit of everything, man, to make yeah. it work. Well, it made you say, I'm going to do one Panther place because I will say this. I'm on, only time, literally, I'm on Twitter. I'm, I'm big on social business, my videos, YouTube, all that. But Twitter is mainly my Panther go to, you know, and you're on all the time. And the clips you share for lifelong Panther fans. It's amazing. Um, so what I'm going to start posting. I mean, obviously you're passionate about it, uh, right. but but you know what? How long have you been doing that? Um, I started this. This is funny. My my first time doing anything Panthers related was back in 2011, and I started my Twitter account then. And I was a freelancer with Intercom Radio, which is now Odyssey. They've changed their name, um, but I worked for the Intercom chain of stations here in Greenville, Spartanburg. And I worked for the Spartanburg Herald-Journal as a freelancer. So I was sent out to Panthers camp to do some coverage of the Panthers. I got a full press pass. It's the first time I did. It's 2011. Cam Newton's first camp. Ron Rivera's first camp. So the one Panther place was nowhere in the equation that I just went out there as a freelancer and covered and wrote about it and had a little blog going. And it was great. And from there, I had to take some time out, had to work, had to make some money for the family. Just didn't have time to dedicate to it. And I've gotten to a point now where, you know, the, my wife is a nurse here in town. I've got three or four jobs I'm working. I'm making it work. So about two years ago, my brother and I started this concept where we're just going to call it One Panther Place. Very simple. It's just one place you can come for all your Panther stuff. Um, so we go back in the archives and look at some old tape. Obviously, we do film study. Uh, we're just like you, Mike. We've been doing this since 95. We've been we're way back in terms of following this team. We're passionate about it. So we go back and find some of the sort of the hidden gym moments from this franchise that people, I think, forget. Some of the great games from 95, 2003, 2005, and, and kind of get the new breed of fans up to speed on some of the great days you and I remember. Oh, yeah. I take a lot of pride in that. No, That's what we I mean, do, man. We're both, kind of the... we're both lifelong Panther fans, like you said. Yeah. So what are your first memories of the Panthers? My first memory of the Panthers, let me tell you, um, it would be 1995 in Clemson. I didn't go to the first couple of games. My first game was their first win against the Jets. And so Sam my Mills dad, pick on the shovel Sam pass. Sam Mills picking off yep, the, the, the shovel pass from Bubby Brister the Jets. of the New York Jets. 26-17 yep. win mm-hmm. for the Panthers, their inaugural win. And it was Clemson. I and I grew up in the upstate, so you know, I I, I being just a Clemson guy it was like heaven to me. I like I'm watching an NFL team. Here in Clemson, that year, I'm going to tell you something. The 49ers, when they came to town, I went to JL Mann High School, which is in Greenville, and played JV football that year for the team. was not very good. Obviously, that's why I'm here talking football and not coaching or playing it. But we had the 49ers come to our high school and practice unannounced because they always have a tradition. The Niners, they did, at least back in the DeBartolo days, of practicing at local high schools on the road. And we had John Taylor and, and Jerry Rice and Steve Young in town on our field practicing. And there's a picture I've got on Twitter. I have to retweet it of me and my teammates, like looking flabbergasted out of the field. Like this is so was, cool. uh, was, Merton, was, was uh, Merton Hanks in the neck out there. 
Martin Hanks was there and funny, oh, funny uh, story for that. So in '96, when we came in and we we opened up a can on them, and uh, with funny stories, my so I, so I will be honest. So I'm originally from San Jose, uh, California. Okay. So the Niners were my team, and when we moved to Raleigh when I was seven. Uh, we followed the Niners, but we always wanted a team of our own. And I remember when the Panthers started in 95, it was odd because we were in the NFC West. So it was like, how do I do this, you know? Right. It's weird, right? And I remember 95, you know, we were 7-9. and nine, And then 96, I remember I just put all my Panther stuff, took all my Niners stuff down. I said, this is my team. You know, we're PSL owners. I say we, my parents. And so 96, of course, we got off to that hot start. I think we were 3-0 and when the Niners came in. And yep. they were staying. We'd always stay at uh, Marriott City Center there off trade, my parents. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I remember getting on the elevator and there's Dwight Clark and Merton Hanks. How about that? And then of course, you know, that it was so cool. And then of course we got up 17, nothing on them. Yeah. Uh, we were in the news and observer skybox for that game. And my brother uh-huh. who flew in, who's a Niners fan, he didn't say a whole lot that game. So that was, that was a lot of fun. That was, a, so have you always been a always season ticket holder? It, uh, no, I have actually, you know, I never been one. You've never I, been I one. My grandfather, who God got rest so he passed away in 2001. He his company in, in Charlotte had season tickets, and so we were able to kind of poach in on that. And when they wouldn't go, they had corporate. You know, it was in the club level too, so it was kind of cool. This guy yeah. felt really like it was 300 level. Man, we're we're in the in the silver seats. But since then, when that ended, we went to as many games as we could. It was my dad, my brother, and I. We just drive up and use back in the old days. We just buy oh, tickets off the street. There was, there was games. We they, just, there was games they just gave. I remember, yeah, we've been through it all. So I remember games. I remember games just giving it to the guys at the tickets turnstile. Like, hey, here's a free ticket. I mean, you yep. couldn't even give them away for five bucks. We've seen the Those bad. seasons were more valuable than others, oh, yeah. as you know. It was we, like 2001. We were psychos in 2001. We went to like every game and we'd buy tickets on the street, even when they were playing the Rams late in the year. Um, the Cardinals game. I tell you what, the most depressing game I've ever been to, and there's been a lot of them, but the most depressing game. Was Arizona 2001, and uh, I remind my, my friend Luther Broughton, who played for that team. We talk about it a lot. This is the George Seifert year, and it was freezing cold. And we're walking into the stadium, and we hear the loudspeaker. Oh, John Robinson, who used to do the uh, the uh, PA in there, and I could hear uh, fumble by Richard Huntley, recovered by Arizona. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, no. so I, I have a I have a, a great story myself. So. Uh, my wife and I met October. Our first date was October 13th, 2001. Okay. Um, and okay, was that the Jets game of no, 01? I'm the, sure. the next game was the Saints when Ricky Williams took it off the left tackle with no time left. Oh, I was there. So, but here's the funny thing. So I knew, so my wife, um, she didn't really, she just pretended to care about the Panthers while we were yeah. dating. Now she's just like, ugh. But uh, yeah. I remember we. I take her out on our first date. And we, I get back to her apartment, you know, and I'm saying goodbye. And I remember I wanted to ask her to the game the next day, but I also knew that meant meeting my parents, meeting my mom, which, you know, that's a big step. And I remember saying, would you like to go to the game with me? And she goes, well, I'd love to, but I have a test. And I'm like, well, test Monday. She's like, no, I'm like Tuesday. She's like a week from Wednesday. She was a nurse. And I thought that was hilarious. So me, I wrote my 30 page history page thesis the night before it was due. She's actually commenting right now. I'll share this with me. She, she, she says, Oh Lord, uh, there oh, she Lord. is. Yeah. So, so the, um, the, the next day. Okay. So I got questions coming. I'm going to actually take these back and we'll get to them yeah. in a second. So, so the next day we go to this, the, the saints game 
and I'm my parents had seats in Suite 87 for a few years. You know, so okay. uh, we yeah, I was yeah, out in the, the I know my seat section 337 row 11 seat one. It's my seat. There you go. And I remember sitting there in the rain. <laughs> we wouldn't we had social distancing back then. And yep. By myself, yep. and of course, Ricky Williams takes it off the left tackle and beats us with no time left. I remember all that. So it's it's yeah. it's funny. So, uh, but we'll we'll get into other stories here. So let's talk about the news today, brother. Teddy Bridgewater, man, moved to Denver. We got our sixth round draft pick back for yep. uh, Sam. What do you think about that? I think it's a good thing they got it done. Obviously, with um, the the draft coming up, you know, I'd heard some buzz from people I've talked to around the league that this trade was incoming. This, this was something that they were working hard with, with Denver. Uh, San Francisco was mentioned in the mix for a while. I never put too much stock into that because they've got a tricky situation with deciding on their quarterback and they still got Garoppolo to unload. So I never really bought into that rumor, but Denver always seemed like a sensible destination for Teddy. And I, you know, some people are disappointed about the compensation, you know, six rounder, but I, the way I look at it, you know, the tape on Teddy last year, look, it was not good. It was not no. great. I, I'm surprised a team put any draft stock into that. I mean, it's like I said earlier, they got a fifth for Kyle Allen. They got a six for Teddy and Cam Newton. They got and nothing. nothing for. And it's well, all about timing, Mike, because, you know, yeah. the conditions changed. And so I think it's good that they, they they kind of offset that Sam Darnold cost now with that six coming back. So we'll back. still have three sixes in it tomorrow, you know, over the weekend. And maybe, yeah. you know, who knows what's going to happen. But I always thought this. When we, um, you know, obviously 2020, no one saw it coming. But I also knew what they did with Cam. We saw a mile away. I mean, first of all, Cam wasn't going to yeah. play without guaranteed money. I think we yep. had injury fatigue. I'm big. I'm Cam's biggest fan, biggest supporter. I, I just hate he got hurt. I remember the game he got hurt at. It was against the Chargers in 2016. He was yep. chasing down a, a play that didn't even count because fat-ass Kelvin Benjamin stopped on a route, and he hurt his <laughs> shoulder right there. And then, of yep. course, it was just, you know, he's injury fatigue. So I see where, you know, what, the, what you have to invest. But I think – with I think Herney gave us uh, a little Herney special on the way out. I never understood giving a quarterback that uh, of Teddy Bridgewater's caliber. When I coached in basketball, we'd always recruit, obviously recruit, mm-hmm. and we'd look at talent. And I remember my old boss, Charlie Schaefer, one of the best coaches out there, and he'd say, he's good, but he's good enough to get you beat. And that's Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. No disrespect that's to Teddy. Yeah, no disrespect to Teddy. Good guy. No. Everyone starts off, good guy, good guy. However, always, always like, good guy. We did it. But, He's a great guy. We good guy. No without saying, but it's a business. Yeah, but how do you and, give him thirty-three million guaranteed when a guy hadn't played? Oh, really? I, so had, I, I never understood I that. Um, and and I mean, obviously, the way they constructed the contract, it was exactly that—a two-year with a three-year club option. But I mean, like, and no, just you know, obviously, he didn't have CMC for thirteen games. That that would have helped him. But, would have helped. But I, we want some. The one thing I like about Darnold is I think he can. You know, obviously, he's had a rough go of it. But he's only 23. If he's coming out, if he was being drafted tomorrow, where would he be selected? Probably number two, right? Probably physically with the physical yeah. talent, you know, as far as yeah. behind Trevor Lawrence. Um, but he can at least throw it 15 yards on an out route and get it to DJ or Robbie or, mm-hmm. or you know, now we have uh, the, uh, the receiver from Seattle, um, free agent. David Moore. Yeah. David Moore. But yeah. all I'm getting at is, like, I could just tell – it wasn't the right fit. So the fact they got a six round pick for him because they would have released him. And if, and we're paying seven, they're paying three uh, million, you know, I know the cap hits not as lovely, but I I thought it was the right thing to do. And I think he goes to Denver and it's a good spot. 
He's there with Locke. Well, the, the release would have been really prohibitive capitalized. Yeah. The they had to work this out to where they restructured the deal and they each team ate a bit of the cost. And then because if they had just cut him, it would have been a, a terrible cap hit. And that's why I hated this contract. Because the minute I looked at it, I looked at Teddy's tape from New Orleans, and everybody's raving about how five and oh, six and I'm like, all right, let's they average, let's go back and look at all the snaps and see what his contributions well, were to that. I always tell people that, the teams that they played scored 13 points a game. Or their defense allowed 13 points a game that five game stretch. When they, they went and they, beat they, Seattle, they scored a defensive and a special teams touchdown. Yeah. So yeah. there's a lot more than meets the eye. He just didn't turn Absolutely. it over. So he, he threw the swing passes to Kamara and Mr. Yeah. Five Yard Slant, what, Slant Boy, as we call him. I mean, it was it, it's it's Teddy's tape. It's, it's It's been his tape since day one. You know, I saw Darren Gant say something earlier on Twitter. I like Darren a lot. He said, you know, you can call Teddy a lot of things, but he wasn't awful. And I re- responded, they said, he's not awful at all. No, nobody, I, I'm just saying, this is what Teddy was. He always was going to be short passing, intermediate guy, dink and dunk, game manager, and there were going to be limitations. The thing that let Teddy down, he had an audition there, Michael, those last four or five weeks. They had not made up their mind at all. And I've talked to people. First of all, there's a myth out there that this was all on Marty. This is not. I can tell you because I heard this from a source who knows what they're talking about here, who's in the organization, that the minute that Matt took that job, that's who he wanted. Yeah. It, it, it was no doubt about it. The, the, that well, that helps to hear that because I, you know, you hear I mean, conflicting reports. Matt, you know, wasn't necessarily on board, and you have Herney. That's, and... No, that's my source tells me that they, now, as far as the contract goes, that that's Marty's department, and that I'm sure Matt had limited, and Matt distances himself wisely so from that kind of stuff. He'll, you always say, "I'm just coaching these guys. I'm just uh-huh. coaching." Well. He's the highest paid coach this franchise has ever had. I, he's got some influence. Now, how much influence did you have on that contract? I don't, I can't say that. But I know the minute he took that job, he was eyeballing Bridgewater. And Joe Brady as well. I mean, it was an obvious connection. So with that said, it was a disappointing contract. And it was a disappointing season. And it's not his fault. If, I mean, you know how it is. Get paid. If you're a player, that's not your fault for taking the no, money. not at Ted, all. Teddy deserved to, to, yeah. to, to get a deal that he was offered. But it, to that end, you got to own up to that. You got to play up to that contract. And he didn't do that. He's good enough to get you beat. And yeah, uh, right. I think I'm excited. I, I'm excited about Darnold over any other young prospect only due to the fact that he's already got three years. And anybody you would draft tomorrow night, for example, if we did go with a quarterback at eight, or even if we would have moved up, you've got about two years built into that to even really see – what's going on obviously as our defense uh, goes up so all right so you're in the draft room you're in the war room tomorrow with fitter rule temper and there's one panther place and the eighth pick comes up what are you doing with it are you well, moving back here here's a question right here this is a good question so what would what would need to happen for the panthers to move back eagles pets what compensation can the panthers expect so, so i'm answering this question yeah. here this is my fraternity oh. brother donnie self on the mic donnie self so donnie so, i have a question here and this this will be another question so yeah so joe shofidi this is another fraternity brother of mine he and i me donnie and joe you know we we solved the pro we solved all the panther problems daily on a group text <laughs> That's right. uh, we've got all seven rounds projected um we're That's still it. waiting on the call from fitter and rule if i you know um, but what would need to happen for the panthers to move back i tell you what probably need to have i see again there's there's two schools of thoughts here you know there there's some some people i talk to that tell me that the panthers are locked in on three really key options here. Number one would be Justin Fields in no particular order, by the way. If Fields happens to be there at eight, they're very interested. This is not a smokescreen. 
it's also a little bit of fluffing up that trade value because they could be they already got Sam. Doesn't hurt to 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 get the interest level out, leak a little bit of info out that hey, we want fields. Because at number eight, if New England's sitting there and they know they care, I mean it it, it gets the value of that pickup, obviously. Teams start getting hungry to trade up to Carolina's spot. But I think if Fields is there, they'll really, really consider it. It's not a smokescreen. Number two, uh, J.C. Horn, the corner, that would be a trade-back option, I think. I think they could deal back with Philly and get Horn. I, Philly might want to move up and get Slater. They might want to move up and, and get Justin Fields. They, they're, they're not totally sold on their quarterback situation with Jalen Hurts, I think. And then you've got – there's a lot of talk about New England. There's been a lot of chatter. New England's talking to Atlanta about trading up and talking with Carolina about trading. Can you hear me? Okay, sorry. Yep. I lost you there for a second. Yeah, so, I mean, do you do you think New England would move up? I just see the hoodie is just staying pat at 15, but I think he knows. Obviously, Cam's coming back for one year, and I know he needs he needs something, somebody there. Um, I think Bill, Bill is living his best life right now. Bill Bill had a bad year last year because they had a lot of opt-outs and they had to clean house financially. They brought Cam in on a very small one-year deal and they played around with it and they experimented. And obviously Bill sees some things in Cam that, that I think I see on tape that say, uh, you know what, there's some things. We get some weapons around this guy. We can give him another year or two and he can give us a spark. I think New England at this point is serious about moving up. That's just my gut yeah. feeling. I think if they see an opportunity to go get Justin Fields and groom him under Cam Newton for a year or two, seems feels like an ideal fit for me. I, that that would seem to be a good deal. But I could see them also standing pat. Yeah, I um, I I think we're in a great position. I, I think we've addressed a lot of the needs in free agency thus far. And then obviously we'd never, no one knew. Uh, I think we would have been all in on Watson if everything, you know, what was, oh. you know, I mean, before everything happened to him. Absolutely. I mean, he likes Instagram misuses. Um, but other than and that. that that's really unfortunate. All of it's so unfortunate. Cause it I, is. I think and that's got to get sorted out. I'm yeah. not a lawyer. I can't even pretend to know what's going on there. But that deal was probably. I think very they, they, we would have thrown everything at it. Um, that first so, quarterback hungry right now. He he's he's he and this goes back to the article that Joe Person wrote. And I've heard the same stuff from my source that Dave's in the war room. He's in the meeting rooms. He's right there looking at the board, and he is hungry for a franchise quarterback. And that does not end with Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold's on a one-year deal with a fifth-year option, and this you know they're they're very affordable. Yeah. yeah, I mean, what do you think? Why do you think there's a knock on Fields? I, I was asked that on the radio this week, and I have nothing for you on that. I, I've talked to scouts in this league, multiple scouts who have scouted this guy, some college guys who have played against him. Nobody has a bad thing to say about the guy. Now, one thing you do here is some of the one-read stuff. It's it's really a bad narrative. They have a different route tree at Ohio State. They run some different concepts. It's a little less sophisticated, perhaps, than some NFL coordinators would would choose but it's not anything any less sophisticated it's, it's it's no different than cam newton when he ran in auburn in fact it's probably more sophisticated he's probably more pro ready than cam was cam was just gifted beyond belief and was given some great concepts by rod chudzinski your one and really grew into that role I, I got no answer for you i thought he'd be the the second or third overall pick in this draft maybe he still will be i don't know if i buy this mac jones stuff in san fran I don't it's understand that. I, 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 um, I, it I might think, be. I, 
don't think it's going to, I don't know if it's going to happen or yeah. not. It could. But tomorrow night's I mean, going to be a lot of fun. I just think tomorrow night's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah. And Mac Jones. But so, I've got no other fields on the fields front. I've got no good answer for it. He's a great quarterback with a very high ceiling. Mac Jones is a high floor type of guy. You're drafting for floor, not ceiling with Mac Jones. With, with a Justin Fields, the ceiling is really high. Franchise quarterback, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson type of high, in my view, just from looking at the tape. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I didn't watch a lot of them. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I mean, I've watched some. Uh, the one thing I could think that the only thing that I was seeing from afar, I, did, I played my the most football I played was eighth grade quarterback in middle school. And all I did was hand off. But I will say, uh, you know, he obviously, you know, when he beat Clemson in the playoffs, wasn't it Clemson that, or is it, or is yep. it, yeah. Uh, you know, Clemson. a lot of, a lot of the balls he threw were just straight flies, you know, it was seen deep passes. The question that I have is okay. That, you know, and who knows when you're coming out is the timing routes, the slants throw when they're not open, throwing them open, but who knows? Like, I think cam, like you mentioned was the first quarterback where they took Cam's skill set and put, built around that skill set rather than and trying to that, force him into something he wasn't. And that's seeing, the key. Mm-hmm. When, you, when, you have a, when you have a transcendent talent like a Fields, that's what you do. You take – and that's why Kyle is so – Shanahan is very rigid in that West Coast, the, the, the boot option stuff he runs, the wide zone. He's very rigid. His system works well for him, but he needs a certain type of guy to run those run checks, to run those pre-snap calls – and Max seems to be more in tune with what he wants than Justin Fields. And that's fine. It's, you know, different strokes for different folks. I, to me, I'm more of a give me an athlete. Give me a guy. He's got to be able to pass the ball. Justin can make the throws. Yeah. Justin's got good pocket movement. Um, I, I have more questions about Trey Lance with accuracy and, and the snaps he's had and the competition. But I still like him a lot. But Fields, to me, Fields is as good as Zach Wilson. I, I I still think the Jets might be overlooking Fields a little bit too. Yeah, no, I I I, I get it. But you're it. right. I mean, you're, to your point, if your system is very scheme specific and you have to run timing and you have to run, you know, rhythm passing, and it's got to be done that way from day one, and it's more of a sort of a John Gruden, Bill Walsh mechanical system. Um, and that's Shanahan. May not, I think may that's not Shanahan. I think that's yeah. why he likes Jones and. The year Matt Ryan, uh, luckily but, they didn't run the ball, but I mean they made Matt Ryan an MVP and and, and with his the, system and yep. throw it you know one utilize of the, key of the the Chudzinski tree was North Turner and one of the things North Turner always loved to do was pound the rock and throw it vertically and that's mm-hmm. what Fields gives you and I think that would be a great fit here and Joe Brady has that Sean Payton background where they emphasize that Sean Payton learned under Bill Parcells who worked with Dan Henning, who did this in Carolina. The tree, I'm fascinated by these coaching trees. You're a former coach. You know mm-hmm. how this works. The influence always trickles down. And I just look at Joe Brady, what he can do here with a guy like Justin Fields. I think that's why they're they're still very fascinated with the guy. Yeah, no question. So here's a question again from Joe. So obviously we have round one, but what do you think moving forward? You know, um, I, I think we've got, uh, especially getting the sixth round pick back now, we have three sixes. We have a yeah. pick, I believe, in every round. Uh, yep. Where you know uh, we went all defense a year ago. We did. Where do you think we go for this draft after round I one? Because I think this is the difference. I like Matt. And I I think Matt Rule. He loves. He wants players that love football. That's one and two. I think he wants guys that he can play in multi multiple spots, and I think he wants to be yep. fast. The multiple thing is big with them. I can tell you that. I mean, every coach is going to tell you they want a guy that's tough and smart and then all the intangibles. But the, the ability to be flexible, multiple play 
your position. A couple of the positions I look at it, if Fields was to go eight, and that's still an iffy thing. I don't know if that's going to happen. I just know they have a high interest level. It could be Slater. Slater's a multiple guy. He's a first-round guy, obviously. Second round, you're getting into guys like Richie Grant, maybe, the safety from UCF. We've talked about him on our podcast. Matt Rule loves this guy. This kid can fly. You need depth at safety. You need depth. What you need is a deep middle. You need Mm -hmm. a deep middle guy. Because Chen's not that guy. Chen can play free, but Chen's better in the box. Chen's going to be your Palomalu type at safety that can regulate the run, can play the tight end up on the line, um, can can take on blocks, and, and be sort of a Thomas Davis type of safety like he was back in the day yep. before he transitioned to linebacker. I, I don't think Chen's going to transition. To, they, they got him listed as linebacker on the roster at Panthers.com, but it's all – Yeah, he's special, you know, isn't he? That kid's good. He's just, he can play linebacker. He can play – he can play the will. He can play strong safety, but it's multiplicity. It's just what you can, the more you can do, the more you mean to Matt Rule and Phil Snow and those guys, Joe Brady as well. Um, I would think eventually they need to maybe look at interior offensive line. They need to shore that up at some point. Wouldn't hurt to maybe add a receiver at some point. I've, I've looked that. at Amari, Amari Rogers from Clemson as a great fit. You lose Curtis Samuel. David Moore is a good vertical guy, but he's not a good slot guy, I don't think. Amari Rogers would be a good fit because you got DJ coming up contract year, and then you got Robbie Anderson on a short term deal. You got to start thinking ahead with these picks. So that's kind of what I, like I don't. Now. I think they've got to. We've got to extend DJ. Uh, oh, that's coming up, that, and, and and Robbie. I, I don't know if we can afford both. But obviously, that's why they get. I paid. think. I think the thinking was. I think maybe, and it just depends on what Robbie wants. But I think the thinking was they couldn't afford the three, which would be Robbie, DJ, and then Curtis. Yeah. I think that's what Curtis had to go. They had to lock up Moten. With the franchise, I think they can keep Robbie. It just depends on how they view his value moving forward. But he was uh, quite explosive last year. He was he was one of the the pleasant surprises oh, on this roster. He's great, and then he uh, you know the the sound bites alone are, are worth every penny. You call him Nat. That's still the best line ever. Great. So you he's brought great. up Moten. I'm glad you brought that up because that's been kind of not talked about. Do you think there's any chance they get a long term extension by July? You know, or have you heard anything sure. on that front? Uh, I'm not hearing anything specific on that, but I can tell you that they're they're working towards it. I think they'd like to get that done before the season starts. They value him a lot. They got him locked up with that franchise. You see some of the maneuvering they're doing now. They had to figure the Bridgewater thing out, how that cap thing was going to work out. They save a little bit this year. They're going to be a little bit of a dead cap hit, 17 mil over two years, it looks like. Uh, but they do get some cap savings right away, and that might facilitate the opportunity to work a deal with Moten. But, again, you got to sign your draft picks. They still might add a free agent or two out there. We'll have to see. I, it just, uh, I think ultimately they'll get a deal done. I just don't know if it'll be before camp. That'd be great if they can, just for obviously to make, you know, the because what is his guarantee? This thirteen point five is that what he's making? I uh, think that's guaranteed. So hopefully they can do it to where it can be a little more cap friendly. Um, Spread it out. Yep. And, You're and right. So, uh, great question right here. Um, they're saying 155 players on the draft board. Do you think some slip out of the seventh and become undrafted free agents? I don't know if you have any on the top of your head that maybe a diamond in the rough, but um, is there anybody that kind of you could think so of? Hard to say. Yeah, it's you- there's so many guys that I, I my my analysis on the draft kind of goes about three or four rounds deep, and then I start diving into it. The day. <laughs> really, yeah. I I can tell you about four or five guys. I mean, it might be a quarterback. It might. There's a lot of running backs that go undrafted that are great value guys that could be picked up. But it's just it's a strange draft because so few of these guys played last year. Yeah, a lot of these guys sat out. 
And I've heard some teams talk about, and just getting to this point, the the value in maybe trading those picks for next year's picks because you know next year, at least in the later rounds, you're going to get a better evaluation on a lot of these guys. This year it's been so hard to evaluate the medicals. And the first round, you kind of know what you're getting. But past that, it's going to be really strange. Really strange to see who these teams pick because they don't know a lot about these guys. Yeah, do you see us uh, going to a 3-4? Uh, no, I, I mean, Still I think, think we're what, going because uh, Riddick and, and, and Burn and you know, and Burns and uh, you know, they yeah. can both play standing up. They can, I don't think they will. I think Burns is a and that's a good question, by the way. I mm-hmm. think what they'll do is they'll stick base four three, they're going to play Brown and do three technique, they can play him at nose. Daquan Jones can do a little bit of both as well. Burns is best when you line him up, not wide nine, out wide. I've talked to his brother Stanley about this all the time. He's best with his hand in the yeah. dirt, and you cut him loose. And when you try to get him out in space and coverage, you're losing quality reps when you do that with Brian Burns. They've added uh, Hassan Reddick on a very team-friendly deal. It's almost that, a one-year prove-it deal for him, you know? It is, and I think that's the value of Matt Rule relationships. It gives them an opportunity to get a guy like that in the door from Temple that, that otherwise probably would have demanded more money. Um, but I, I think they just a base four three nickel, a lot of three man fronts with some blitzing off the edge. But I think what you're going to see, it's it's very multiple. I mean, they could play some 34 fronts, uh, 43 over stuff like that. But I think what you're going to see in terms of base when they come out of first down, the teams like to run the balls. You're going to see, you know, those four guys I talked about. You're going to see Denzel Perriman inside, who's a thumper, a better option than Tahir Whitehead. You've got Shaq out there, and I think you'll have Chin drop down and be that third backer safety hybrid. Yeah, um, and and the and the guy I think you may mention his name was that uh, that the the acquisition they just got from Tennessee. I think he was kind of an under the radar yeah. uh, signing. That's, yeah, that's uh, very good. Very um, good play. You know, and, so uh, I love the fact we're young another, and we're fast. Another one year deal too. Another one year deal. Yeah, we're young, we're fast, and I think the latter half of the year they were really starting to get it. I mean. The, you know, I always have to remind myself they didn't have mini camp, OTAs, training camp. The the first nope. four games was really our preseason, and then on top of that, you yep. played in front of no fans. I mean, that that had to be just the weirdest thing ever. Weird environment. The whole thing was weird. I didn't go to any games last year. Me I neither. I opted out. Just... I almost went to one, and I was like, you know what? I I only know how it needs to be, and I'm hoping by oh. this fall that. Uh, yeah. We'll be back in there. And the, and the press side of it, too, it was so weird because, like, I've, I've been in the ropes and I've done some of the press stuff for them, but it was the credentials were so hard to come by because of the limited capacity. And I didn't even fight that fight. I was like, look, they, you got some good guys fighting on the beat with, like, Joe and Nick Carboni and, uh, you know, TV guys, you know, Elena. They, they're covered on the beat. I, I'm just going to kind of sit back, look at the game tape and watch the games, and then we'll press forward maybe try to get some access moving forward. But, uh it was a strange year. You're right. I mean, they, I remember talking to Nick Carboni from from NBC Charlotte. He's one of my really good friends in the business. And Nick was just giving me like a play-by-play of how weird it was going through the, the, the training camp process in Charlotte. How it wasn't in a – no fans. It was – everything was sanitized. And it was – everything was centered around protection with COVID. And the league and the team in particular did a hell of a job. Yeah, uh, just, no, I, I think the NFL in general, to be able to play the whole season – yeah, uh, but like I said, I'm optimistic. I'm, I'm double vaxxed. I, that's my thing. I'm double vaxxed, and I'm hoping. I got my everyone. next one. Oh, yeah. yep. and I'm hoping that by fall, we're back in there. So, all right. So we're gonna play a little uh, uh, crystal ball here. Is uh, yeah, I'm gonna give you the number here. Okay, nine. Okay, what do we got? Number nine. Right. 
Over I'm under gonna... over under on wins nine next year. Oh man! So oh, now we have on. seven. Now we have <laughs> seven. Now we have seventeen games. That's why I went with nine. Mm, I, I gotta, I gotta take the head, take the head <laughs> off, and be a little less biased. Like, <laughs> um, that's Sam Darnold here, by the way. Like that. Uh, I'll say under. You think right so? Now, mm. So we got the NFC East uh, and the a- we got the, say, yeah with the I'll NFC East and the AFC East this year. Uh, just a tad, just a shade on. I think they're in eight that and a half. Nine, eight, yeah, they're eight and a half right now. They're right on the cusp. Yeah. I think that's good, though. I mean, that's and well, you could have a John Fox type of year too. That's what I envisioned. You know, Matt Rule reminds me a lot of Foxy. You know, give that New York grit, got that New York Giants background. Uh, just reminds me of his manner. It just he got everything about him. He's got that Tom Coughlin, Bill Parcells influence. I think they could come in and surprise people and win 10, 11 games. It's just one of those things if I had to bet on, I don't bet on sports, but if I had to, I'd probably lean under because it's still a very tough division right We're now. We're a young team, over. but I will say yeah. that's what the NFL wants. The NFL's built for yeah. everyone to be now 8-9, you know, or 9-8. and eight. And then, yeah. like last year, we went 0-8 with the ball with down a possession. Now a Could few of those, a yeah, I know, and Could a couple we put on Teddy, but I mean, you can't really rely on a seventy-five yard field goal in Kansas City. You know, there's things like that, <laughs> but you know, I mean, we missed the kick in New Orleans. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you know, it's kind of like uh, even the year, uh, you know, in 03, we went eleven and five. I mean, when you know the the games that we won late, um, mm-hmm. it, it's a bounce of the ball here. It's it's kind of like you remember the uh, division game, of course you do against Seattle. And if you remember the very first drive, uh, uh, Jay Stu on the first run breaks it off for about 70. Beautiful play. Right, right up off the left guard, and then he cuts back. Mike, and remember, Tolbert, Mike Tolbert deserves a lot of credit for that run, by the that, way. That, and then you remember the next play because he took a breather? Remember, our who was our backup that year? It was, okay, it was Jay Stu and then Fozzie Whitaker. No, it was another guy. It was the guy that never panned out for us. We drafted him. Anyway, the next play, he fumbled. And the ball bounced right to Tober. Oh, Payne. Cameron Ars Payne. Cameron Ars Payne. Yeah, he fumbles. And the ball bounces right to Mike. He doesn't recover that. Maybe we don't score. Like, those are the little things that people don't think about. You know? Um Similar to the year when Cam took us down, this probably this gets to my segue, his favorite moments in BOA. Uh, but uh, 2013 in, against New Orleans in the rain, and uh, my boy hits Teddy again on the deep slant. Probably one of the best throws of his career because if you also remember that play, there should have been a rough in the pass. Or he got hit in the face. Hit in the face. And he throws it off balance, hits right Teddy, deep slant. But the very next play, tries it uh, out, gets tipped in the air, luckily hits the ground. Like there's little things, you know, before little he hit, before he hit, uh, 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 um, played for the Giants, got the ball on the left goal line there. Um, the, the receiver Dominic Hickson. Hickson. Yep. That was the loudest the stadium has ever been till the 2015 NFC Championship. Yeah, that was a that was a program building win. But it's little things like that that uh, the NFL is built for, and that's why it's fun. I mean, yep. the average. Game is probably decided by four points, four to six points. And so, um, you know, you look at certain things, the way they work, and then, of course, you get in the playoffs. Who knows what could happen? Now you have seven. You have a lot more people fighting for that. So yep. do you travel to road games? 
Not really, no. I've made a few trips to Atlanta over the years, um, but it's just with family obligations and all that. I don't get to too many road games. Uh, again, if this project picks up steam and, and we start to, you know, with my work with iHeartMedia, we get some credentials for some road opportunities, I'll, I'll take it. I'll get down to New Orleans, get down to Tampa and see some more of these divisional. I really want to see some of the divisional road games. I'm fascinated yep. by that. But the hat, hat many, hat John, if, if you uh, need an intern or you need extra credentials, I'll roll with you. <laughs> I love uh, it, man. So, Always, you, I see my daughter running around. It's like these, my kids are my interns around here. Yeah. I put them to work. October. So, so me, I try to always go to one non-divisional game a year. Uh, luckily in, in 19, was able to make the trip to London. It was an amazing experience. Oh, yeah, I was also surprised my son. Saturday morning, uh, 5.30, we flew to Green Bay, sat front row in the end zone, the game where in, oh. in the snow. Uh, I've been to Tennessee yeah. in 2015. I was at Jacksonville for that opening game in 15 when uh, our boy wow. Josh Norman took wow. the ball back and uh, rode the horse. did the old horsey, yep, rode Delta to the end zone. Uh, so my goal this year is to go down to South Beach and or Dallas. There's going to be an R-rated trip. That's just the guys. That's by South Beach. <laughs> then there's right. a PG-13 trip in there, and that's Dallas. Dallas. Yeah, that's, right. that's, that's when I take I take right. my 13-year-old son to the PG-13 trip. Then we got the South Beach trip, but we got a good schedule. I'm excited. You know, we have, uh, yeah. you know, we have, and then we got Cam coming in. That's uh, oh, that's gonna, gonna be, be that. Hopefully, that will be a It'll prime be time. Fun. He'll be in his element there, man. Um, so uh, a few more minutes, man. I could go on and on, and appreciate your time. What of is course. your favorite mini, favorite memory in Bank of America? All right, I, I'll take it back. I always talk to good friend Jim Zoki, Bill Rosinski about this game. I did a show with them a while back, and we've got it on YouTube. I'll repost it for you guys. But we talked about some of the my, my favorite memories of going to Stadium because I was just I, I, I've sort of I've been able to take the fan hat off lately, honestly, and just look at this team. We're you know doing this for show here, but. I was a diehard fan. I used to just, and I still am, but, you know, I've had to look at it more objectively now. I would just, I'd be pissing and moaning after every loss, no matter what. Even if they sucked that year, it would eat away at me. Oh, yeah. And that's how I started this project because it just, it gave me the freedom to just look at it objectively and say, you know what? I love this team, but let's step back and look at it as if we're part of the staff, which, of course, I'm not. I know I'm not. But my favorite moment. 2003 they played tampa at home and this was a game that we we scored some tickets in the club level we were sitting right under aikman and buck and collinsworth the old fox crew and all week they were just given carolina you know no chance to win this is tampa coming off their championship season early in the season carolina beat tampa on the road with the blocked extra point and this was the defining moment for this team in my opinion they gave up a couple of touchdowns late to Keenan McCardell, Keyshawn Johnson, and the, the big badass Bucks. That's what uh, Warren Sapp was stomping on the field. And the, the lighting in that stadium that day was so vivid coming through the shadows and the, the chill in the air. And it was that just early November uptown Charlotte feel in the air. And then Jake Blum gets the ball with two minutes left. And I played this clip multiple times. Oh, yeah. And they right down the field. They have a they five passes. One was to Hankton. One was to Mangum. They threw up sort of a, a, a beautiful post route to Ricky Prohl. He, they, they did a hot read blitz, and Jake puts a little, <laughs> a little hero ball up the moose, and he catches it around the five, and they keep going down the field. And all of a sudden, Steve Smith on a slant just catches a Jake DeLong touchdown Great pass. And the stadium went nuts. Yeah. And after that, yeah, I tell you, 
have the, my mom who passed away a couple years ago, one of my best memories of my mom is she didn't really go to the games, but she went shopping. She'd hang out at South Park and we'd meet up with her after games. So I went down and dad and my brother went home and my wife now was my fiance. Then we went to Maggiano's in South Park. It was a restaurant down near the Cheesecake Factory. Went and ate. And all of a sudden here comes John Fox and Jake DeLome and Brenson Buckner on crutches. And the whole place goes nuts. Oh, and like, that's awesome. They're going upstairs in the private room to eat. And everybody's like patting Jake on uh, the back. Actually, baby, what's up? And that whole night, just that whole game, because that was the yeah. turning point for that season. That's the game what where a, they really. That was a magical the year. They swept, they swept the Bucks, And they were, I think it's seven and two at that point. Eight and two moving on to the division title. And uh, that always, for some reason, that game just always resonates with me. I've been to all the big ones, too, but that one always just feels so special. That, I was living in Arkansas for that game. Um, I was coaching then. So I th- th- there was a person of – but I was at the opening game. I took my boss uh, against Jacksonville when we hit pro at the – at the gun, you know. That was him. a good one, too. Yeah, I was there for it. Rod- Rodney Pete, you know, they, they brought in this guy named Jake DeLome after half. And I remember he, <laughs> he runs into the huddle and he high fives the whole huddle. Yep. And, uh, you know, and then that, that was a, a, a special year. We went into Indianapolis that year and beat Peyton. Um, we did. And, you know, know Bill Rosinski's talked about the former play-by-play guy. We've talked to Bill a lot of times. He says guys from the team have told him that that win, the one I mentioned, was the one that sort of told them, okay, we're for real now. Because they shut Peyton Manning out in the second half. They held him to three points, no touchdowns. They picked him off on a screen pass with Ricky Manning, and they went down the field with Deshaun Foster, who we had on one of our shows, and we talked about some of the runs he had in that game when Steven Davis went out. And they just proved guys could go down, but the second-string guys could pick up the steam. Buckner was out of that game. And they went in there, and they put a whooping in the second half yeah. Manning, that was an important win. That was a great uh, – Was that they won that in overtime, didn't they? Then there was they did. One of, one, of, one of several overtime John Casey game winners. Yeah, that, that, that year was good. And then um, funny moment, were you in the stadium in 96 when we beat Pittsburgh? I was in that stadium for the Chad Cota game. It was amazing. And the funny thing – Well, that was also the game where uh, Sir Purr jumped on the punt. He did. <laughs> Bill Cower was furious. <laughs> they threw the flag. And uh, Sir Purr's behind the, th- the field goal. Yeah, he's doing one of those. Cower comes, comes running out. I can see from my seat. He goes, George, who deals this? And he was just spitting flying everywhere. He was furious. I remember that game so vividly, too. Cordell Stewart that- had like an 80-yard touchdown that game. Oh, but then, and then Sam Mills put the wood on him on one yeah. of those hits over the middle. And yeah. and, and I that was the first article I wrote for OnePantherPlace.com was about Chad Cota in that game. And it, it was – Again, one of the special moments from my childhood, remembering uh, I was like 16, 15 at the time. Special moment. That yeah. was a great game. And, of course, you have X-Clown. And then the, the Seattle, well, 2015, I remember when 2015 was happening. And I was telling every my friend, I'm that guy, too. I call in all the time, Mac Attack and T-Bone. And yeah. I actually told him I was, you were coming on my show. So I'm trying, to get, them, I'm trying to get them on a Panther uh, draft uh, post game, uh, post there interview. There you go. This is um, good. Yeah. Or the guys, man. Oh, there, there are morning. That's my, I have the app up here in Raleigh. We don't necessarily get the same coverage than down there. Um, Love those guys. But I remember 2015 just telling all my friends, and I was like, you got to bottle this up, man. This stuff doesn't happen. I mean, we're, you know, we were, uh, you know, we just had a, we had a, it's like Fox said, we had a bad day to have a bad day. Or, you know, I mean, it was, you know, against Denver. And, um, but, you know, we would have been 18 mm-hmm. and one. And, uh, but that whole year was special. And I remember, um, 
being up 31 nothing on Seattle at, at, at halftime going, is this real life? And of course, you know, so of course weird. they made us almost throw up. We had to recover an onside kick. <laughs> um, but Arizona, the Arizona game, I, I remember the disrespect that we were getting all that year. And I remember Arizona, I mean, that was just uh, uh, an unbelievable evening, an unbelievable yeah. night. And uh, I was just so glad to be there because we, just like you and I said at the beginning of this podcast, we've been through the, the, the crappy times we've been through, you know, to be there. Um, and it was just a magical moment. And, and, you know, Luke picking off uh, Palmer there late and the guy falls out of the stands and just the celebrations was just, was just awesome. Uh, but unfortunately I was also in Pittsburgh uh, when um, Cam hurt his shoulder. And um, oh, that was yeah, a bad thing. I was, oh. I made that trip. I remember we were six and two and uh, I mean, oh. And I remember, I remember we were we had great seats. I went up with a buddy of mine who was a Steelers fan, and we made a great weekend of that trip because we went up to Pitt. This Panthers played Steelers Thursday night, and he's a huge Penn State guy. So Saturday they played Saturday they played Wisconsin Penn State. So it was a great weekend. But that Thursday night, you know, we go down and score. McCaffrey catches a swing pass touchdown, and I'm over there, you know, and everyone was still filing in. It wasn't really full yet. And I mean, the very the very next play, <laughs> seventy five yards. And of course, every Steeler fan in the stadium. That yeah. damn Juju Smith Schuster, who somebody broke. It looked Bradbury, oh. I think. I, I don't want to. Yeah, it might have been Eric Reed. I, one of them blew their assignment, and it was. So, it was like, and if you watch the the series All or Nothing, I'm sure you've seen oh, it. Oh North yeah. Turner, oh, yeah. Norv in the booth was like, well, there they were just. The air went out of their well, that tires. And, and I mean, right when it happened, I was like, well, it's 0-0. Zero, zero. Zero, zero. There's an interception then, after that, and then the T.J. Watt. You know, it's just, it was all downhill. So I was there leaving, the and, you know, and uh, so. And then, they haven't beaten Pittsburgh in 25 years. Yeah, that was a tough That was a tough one. Games, the last time they beat the Steelers, Mike. Yeah, that was a, that was a tough one. Um, yep. So we were there, and so. But anyway, I'm really optimistic about this team. I, I'm excited about rules going. So, um, where do you see us in three to five years? You think we're going to hoist a Lombardi? Three to five years, I think it's very possible. I think this team's on the right track. I like Matt Rule a lot. Um, I wasn't totally sold. I mean, look, he's a Baylor's coach, and it was Baylor's staff, and there was a lot of question marks I had about why are the, the Panthers giving this coach this contract? What's special that I'm missing? And then you, you talk to people, you see how he coaches and how his players respond. I was impressed. He he managed games very well last year for a first-time head I coach. I think Rule's got I, it, I, man. I, like I, Phil, I like Phil Snow a lot, yeah, too. Yeah, I, 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 I think Rule's got Phil's it. Some, I think Rule's got I think, it. I think, within three, I think within about two years, you can start talking, you know, division championship competition. This well, division's getting old. They're aging. That, wait, that Tampa Bay thing, that, that's not going to last, man. That's not a model for – for long-term sustained success. So I think Carolina's prime for a run. Well, we got, the, we got the Aints that, you know, they have questioned at their quarterback position. Yep. Matt Ryan's the got maybe a, one or two years left, and they've got to start making that yeah. that conversation. <laughs> and then you The said, Falcons are in a world of hurt with their cap, too. They're, they have a bad cap situation, and they're going to be – they've only got, a, like, 20-something players signed right now. They're they're yeah. in a mess. Well, so, I, mean, I think what I'd love just for us to see, and I think this is maybe where rules that answers, where we just have continued success, where we're in the postseason year after year, or at least we're knocking on the door. Because then once you get in, anything can happen. You know, we've seen that. And typically the best team sometimes doesn't always win the Super Bowl. And it's a matter of getting in. 
Um, let me look at That's Philly, what, uh, Philly a few Deshaun, years ago with Foles and, you know, they got Deshaun them. Foster talked to us about, I talked to Deshaun Foster about this and he talked about was his position coach, Jim Skipper had always, he had a red t-shirts printed out for the 05 Panthers that said road warriors. And now they just blasted through everything. In two years, John Fox won four road playoff games. And that's what the, the moral I've always told people is why the fans last year, oh, you just, uh, if you just sneak in the playoffs, you're just going to get your butt kicked by. And no, it, you know, if you get in the tournament, Anything you're competing. You've got a chance. And you've seen the Giants do this. Oh, We've yeah. seen the Packers make a run from the wild card. You can do it. And this team, like I said, they slip in. You've got they've got a lot of talent on this team, Michael. Yeah. If they can somehow this year get 10, 11 wins, slip in the back door, maybe at uh six, seven seed, they they can compete with anybody. They almost beat Kansas City last year. They should have beaten the Saints. They were very competitive. No, they were. They were. Well, man, tell everybody where they can find you. Oh, actually, no, I got one more question for you. I ask okay. all my guests that come on this question this show. Uh, because again, a lot of times, and of course, I you're I see you as an entrepreneur with what you're doing with the media game and building up yep. one Panther place. So I always ask this, and I love all the answers I receive, and I usually like catch people off guard, but that's what makes it fun. Uh, what is the best advice you've ever been given by uh, given, and by who? Uh, probably by my dad. He said, "You're the sum of all your choices." My dad's always told me that, and it's true. He said, "If you and, it, and there's circumstances obviously come up, but the point of it has always been, Dad." Has been very successful himself in the media business as a uh, as a morning radio personality for a long time, and he's made choices that have worked out. He's made choices that haven't been great in terms of you know, not necessarily career, but just it's life. You know, you're raising kids, and it, it's it's not always easy. But if you make sound choices, usually good things happen if you put in the work. One of the biggest things I did with this site is just made a choice to try something, to do something. I started with 50 followers and we're up to 8,000 now. Okay. I'm not, I don't spend my days counting the followers and waiting on a check mark, but it's, it's flattering. It's nice to be mentioned with some of the better analysts out there and to get to know people, you know, like Matt Bowen from ESPN, who we talked to last week and, you know, Mark Schofield from USA Today, just some of the people I've looked up to over the years in in the NFL business I'm now networking with. So again, just, choose to do it just make a choice and go get it and don't waste time no i think that's a, that's fantastic man and um uh, and always have kids around you to drive you nuts always yeah, yeah th- 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 this has been a lot of fun Thanks, uh, i love sports sports is my passion obviously i hope people buy and sell real estate but there's you know i was a coach i'm always going to be a coach uh, I love the panthers um those memories you got you know we were sharing is what i missed last year and taking my son to games. My dad took me to games, the memories we've been able to create. And when people say, why do you do it? Why do you go down to Charlotte every game? It's for that. I mean, people, you know, I get it. I I got pretty comfortable in my Panther room. I've got a Panther room at my house, three televisions. I got a 65 with 243 inches right there. We, we, oh yeah, come on over, man. So it makes it nice. Got AC, you got your beer right there by the, you know, but there's nothing like game day, man. Nothing like game day. And, I'm hoping we get back to that. So if you can give me a second, I'm going to take a quick break. I always feature a local beer of the week, and then we'll take the show right. home, okay? You got it. All right, we'll be right back, guys, with my local beer of the week segment. John Ellis, thanks so much. One Panther play. Whether you're buying, selling, or investing in the triangle, Michael Turbot with the Ida Turbot Group, Coldwell Banker HPW, will put you in position to win. 
With almost 15 years of real estate experience, Michael and his team will help navigate you through the real estate transaction from beginning to end, always putting your best interests first. In today's competitive real estate market, now more than ever, selecting the real estate professional to assist you with your biggest investment is vital. Please contact Michael Turbot today to find out more on what he and his team do to separate themselves from the rest and help you accomplish your real estate goals. Remember, who you work with matters, and Michael looks forward to hearing from you soon. And welcome back to the Super Turb Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Michael Turbot, a.k.a. Coach Turb, a.k.a. Super Turb. And again, just finished up with John Els. John Els, one pint their place is here. And what I like to do, we have a lot of great breweries in the Triangle. And uh, my one, my uh, local beer of the week, I really don't have a local beer of the week because I'm drinking my Sierra Nevada Hazy IPA. Of course, you can find this anywhere. But I always like to give a shout-out to my friends at Taylor's Wine Shop at uh, Six Forks Road. They've been on the Super Turb Podcast. And I'm going to helpfully have... The owners of another great D, uh, bottle shop is D's Bottle Shop in North Raleigh. And I'm going to have those owners hopefully on the podcast soon. If you guys are looking for great beer, wine, make sure you go to Taylor's Wine Shop or D's Bottle Shop. Tell them Turb sent you. And uh, as, as always, guys, I really appreciate you joining me on the Super Turb Podcast. John, man, it's been a pleasure. I hope to have you on more, hopefully, when we're making that playoff sure. push. And uh, if you guys at all, if you can, please uh, like, subscribe, uh, follow me on, uh, again, my Facebook business page, YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And if there's anything I can do to also help you accomplish your real estate goals, we'd love that opportunity. And again, it's Michael Turbot, your local real estate expert with the Audi Turbot Group, Coldwell Banker, HPW. And as always, remember, who you work with matters. See you guys next week.